Welcome back. I'm Jordan. And I'm Rachel. And we are here to uh, force Rachel to watch a formative movie from my childhood while she makes us uh, some kind of a delicious sugar-free dessert and shares the recipe with you. Yeah. And when we say force, we really mean uh, convince with bribery. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, yeah. Um, You know, as long as we get to spend time together and talk about stuff. Ooh, I meant uh, now I get to watch any kind of film made by the Polish government and you won't complain. That's true, yeah. (laughs) You have gotten a lot of free passes on art films recently. Yes! Which, uh, you know, it's fine. It's fine. It's more than fine. (laughs) But anyway, this is a recipe for disaster. Tell me about what you're making today, Rachel. Um, like I said, it's a keto coffee mousse. A keto coffee mousse. Mm-hmm. So there's no... There's a lot to parse in that, in that uh, <laughs> name just right there. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not doing keto, but I am doing, like, trying not to eat so much fucking refined sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, it has so... helped my belly significantly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Considering the amount of sweets that we eat. Or yeah. that I eat anyway. Yeah. yeah. And these are like non-sweets because they're made with erythritol. Um, and we talked to, I talked to a whole lot about erythritol last time. Yeah, but tell me, so I'm a, a health food dum-dum. What, what is keto? Um, keto is whenever people try and eat under a certain amount of carbohydrates and they supplement that with fat so that like your body burns fat instead of sugars to get its energy goes first for fat so see you know i grew up in the 90s and people used to talk about like trans fats and saturated fats and all that kind of stuff like is fat still bad for me or good for you as long as you do it in moderation basically really yeah basically like um i have a friend at southeastern louisiana university dr nelson shout out to dr nelson who (laughs) told me that basically um, you know, pharmaceutical and um, big grain companies were the ones who kind of pushed this on us. Okay. Pushed it on food science. Really? Yeah. So like, there's like a food conspiracy going yeah, on yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah, and like, as long as you do everything in moderation, then you should be fine. Like, don't go crazy overboard (laughs) and also i'm not a nutritionist so take whatever i say is completely unqualified (laughs) i just know this i just talked to this guy at southeastern well i do like that you're saying it with such authority because i have no idea and i really need somebody to just point me in the right direction so basically don't eat too much of anything idiot is is the diet plan no can do (laughs) but i appreciate you replacing the sugar with erythritol in uh, these sweets that you're making. So uh, so keto is just replacing it with carbs? Or replacing carbs with fat is what you said? And protein. And proteins. Yeah. Okay. So what about this uh, keto coffee mousse um, makes it keto? What's different from a, like a normal coffee mousse? Um, well, the, the base ingredients are pretty similar. Um, I'm using cream cheese and warm espresso right now. I'm about to start it up. 
Um, and I'm gonna whip that till it's nice and smooth. I'll add some some powdered erythritol and um, some vanilla extract, and then I'm gonna whip the cream in a separate uh, batch, and I'm gonna fold them together. Mm. Um, so the process is the same as it would be for a regular mousse. Okay. Just <laughs> use erythritol instead of okay, yeah, refined sugar. Gotcha. Um, so what are you expecting? Uh, what are you expecting texture-wise out of this dish? I'm excited about it that it's a mousse because it's a pretty different from the last couple things we had. Yeah, um, and that's what I was going for. Um, sometimes I think about the plural of mousse. <laughs> what is it? Mousses. Uh, meese? Meeses. <laughs> uh, did I make multiple meese yeah. in this episode? <laughs> uh, um, no, I mean, uh, if you've ever had a mousse before, it's like cloud-like and it melts in your mouth and it's like a nice contrast in texture oh my God. you know and i'm probably gonna make um also make something crunchy to go along with it Ooh, yeah that'll be cool yeah because you know if you've ever had a panna cotta or a flan it's amazing yeah it's like one of the about best like, things what was that dish that had uh the crispy quinoa in it that was oh the uh study in caramel yeah that's Popped what it was quinoa yeah, so cool. The texture was nice, and I liked that crunch. It made it way more interesting that mm-hmm. way. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited about that, and I'm excited about this coffee flavor. Tell me about that. Um, so it's with espresso. Yeah, it's with espresso. I use decaf because um, I'm really caffeine-sensitive. <laughs> um, but uh, I just made, like, a, a single shot of really strong espresso. Okay. And I'm going to put some vanilla in there to highlight it. Yeah. And... Um, maybe a little bit of cocoa powder. So, could we call this a French vanilla coffee mousse? Call Would that be accurate? French vanilla cappuccino mousse. I'm just trying to think of like the fanciest way we can do this, so that like we could sell it at a festival <laughs> for like twenty dollars. Like, what words do we um, have to use to be able to sell this for upwards of twenty dollars? My opinion is that I don't know about dishing out so much dairy at a festival. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you got to bring a cooler, obviously. Well, yeah, or but... Or maybe you don't, and you just tell people, like, oh, yeah, this is, like, you know, you're supposed to eat it moldy. That's the new thing. No, not moldy. It'll just melt everywhere. Oh, yeah. I guess it would take a pretty significant amount of time to get moldy, huh? <sighs> yeah, it would. <laughs> So uh, how long? Are you, so we haven't started making this yet. We've got the ingredients in the uh, mixing bowl. How long is it going to take to to whip this up? Maybe like ten minutes. And there's like no cook time. Is that it? That's right. So you're just going to whip it. Whip it good. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, but yeah, let's get to it. Let's whip it. All right. Let's whip it real good. We'll be right back. Okay, Rachel, so what are we looking at here? Because this looks, especially compared to last week, this looks amazing. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> hey, I'm just, you know, the, the, that salted caramel cheesecake was amazing. 
Like, the flavor knew no bounds. Yeah, but the appearance did leave something to be desired. The salted caramel looked like jizz. It was, it was colored that way. You're colorblind. It did not look like that. <laughs> no, you, he really is colorblind. Yeah, I do. Well, I have some trouble with uh, certain colors. Sometimes I think that I just was taught wrong no. in elementary school. <laughs> like, what, well, I mean, what if somebody held up a card that had the color blue on it and then it said red on it? And that's how you were raised. Well, do you actually think that? I don't know, but, you know, we're talking about a conspiracy of grains here with... Uh, oh, my God. With the food science aspect. And then the Marine so, Corps was also like, um, yeah, you learned the blue instead <laughs> of the red at your elementary school. That's your, your colorblind, son. <laughs> yeah, I should mention uh, I found out that I was colorblind when I uh, joined the Marines uh, out of high school. Um, wanted to do a way cooler job than I got. But couldn't do it because I can't tell the difference between red and green. Uh, blue and purple and stuff like that. So, like, are we done with the conspiracy idea now? Yeah. That's Fine. what I thought. <laughs> well, we're never going to be done. There's always some connection. Uh, okay. But anyway, yeah. So what are we looking at here? Because this looks amazing. Um, It's that uh, cappuccino mousse. Mm. And it's all, like, whipped together and smooth. And this is, like, right out of the bowl. So I have it isn't even, like, chilled and set all the way yet. Because we're impatient. <laughs> well, we've got to get into this. But, oh, so you said something interesting while you were making, because uh, you made it in two parts. You made uh -huh. the um, the coffee uh, cream cheese mixture mm -hmm. filling first, and then you made whipped cream. Mm -hmm. And while you're making the whipped cream, you said that it's really easy for this to just suddenly all, like, turn into butter. Yeah. Like, what do you mean by that? Um, when you're whipping whipped cream with a stand mixer, you have to really keep an eye on it, especially if you have it at one of the higher uh, speeds because um, you can go from having like no stiff peaks formed to having a lump of butter in your bowl in like a second wow. if you turn your back. Okay. Because that's just the way that like it emulsifies so quickly. I'm not sure if that's the I right guess, word. Well, I guess I'm like such a novice. Like I barely even understand how whipped cream works to begin with. Like because <laughs> it's just cream, right? And then you you just like beat it until it turns. Like into a solid, uh, solid food. Like that's yeah. crazy. It's it is kind of crazy, and I don't understand. I don't understand how it goes from. I know how it goes to whipped cream, which is like introducing air. Yeah. But then, but like after that stage, I have no idea how it becomes butter. So it looks like I'm gonna have to go down a Wikipedia hole. It's probably oh, something about like molecular bonding or something crazy. Oh well, yeah, boring. No! <laughs> Not boring. I just picture uh, Alton Brown with a pocket protector and he's explaining this to us. Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> yeah, it is. That would be wonderful, huh? Would be for me. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's dig into this because it looks really great, especially with the chocolate shavings on top. Those are just unsweetened flakes, too. Mm. They're going to give it a little nice touch of bitterness. Mmm. Oh, wow. It is light as a cloud, but it has, like, a whole block of cream cheese in it. We're not eating a whole block. It has two blocks of cream cheese in it, but we're not <laughs> eating a whole block of cream cheese right now, folks. Yeah, the serving size that we gave ourselves is, uh, um, you know, conservative. But the leftovers we have are uh, 
huge. I don't know yeah, how we're going to... what's gonna... the opposite of conservative? Yeah, we got to try and eat that today, I guess. No, we don't. What? Oh, man. We just freeze it. It's fine. This is so good. It tastes just like a cappuccino. It's like if... You know when uh, when you get a cappuccino and mm-hmm. you like... Maybe you get a spoonful of the foam. Mm-hmm. And you get that flavor. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's a good flavor, but it's kind of hollow because it's just like, it's just foam, you know? Mm-hmm. You can't get a lot of substance out of it. This mm-hmm. is like if that was made into a substance. And it's so rich. Mm-hmm. And it just is. like, well, like a ton silky, of silky on my tongue. I can yeah. still feel it there after swallowing. It's delicious. It is delicious. Yeah. And it's totally sugar free, so. Oh my God. Like, this just, it makes me feel like, uh, it just gives me that coffee shop feeling while we're sitting here on oh, the couch. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I love it. Cool. It, it makes me feel really good. It's like I want to just like crack open a laptop and write a novel. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Not a good one, but you know, they don't understand anyway. I'm just like writing in the... <laughs> oh my God. Didn't I compare you to Holden Caulfield last time? <laughs> I don't... Well, I, think, I think that was off this. air. Like, oh. yeah. Was it off air? <laughs> Maybe. I don't remember. That's a good insult. That's a, yeah, it, it cuts me deep. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> my goal. Yeah, I guess uh, Catcher in the Rye used to be one of my favorite books when I was in high school. And I'm like, I'm so smart because I read books. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, I loved it. Uh, I was like, uh, oh, yeah. Like, I'm looking glad. back now, I'm like, ew. Like, what was wrong with you? I'm glad you didn't tell me that before we got married. <laughs> or none of this would have happened. <laughs> Man, well, you could have gotten out of it. Are you sure you are, aren't happy about that? Um, um, I would be so unhappy about that. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, Holden Caulfield, when I was in high school, I was like, yeah, everybody is a big phony. Um, walking around thinking that I know everything. I still think I know everything, I but know. I'm not such a jerk about it all the time. I like the addendum. Your, your silence is, uh, <laughs> it speaks volumes. I liked the, um, the addendum there that was like, I'm not such a jerk all the time. <laughs> God, I'm such an arrogant dick. <laughs> oh, I really got to work on that. We were watching you from the vestry <laughs> and we thought you were a bitch. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah. So <laughs> this uh, this cappuccino mousse. Um, I want to eat more of it. So we're gonna have to say goodbye to you guys for a second because I, I just gotta enjoy this. There's no way, uh, no way around it. We'll be right back. watch today i chose this one because okay so the first one we had one that we both agreed uh back to the future was just not what i had hoped it would be or remembered it to be um sure overall just kind of a toxic movie a little bit it was exactly what i remembered it to be (laughs) raiders of the lost ark um i think we both agreed that movie was decent but uh, you know, you had reservations and had issues, uh, um, projecting yourself onto the main character. Um, no, that, I think that's oversimplifying it. Um, I think my feelings towards 
The Lost Ark were, um, it's a fine movie in terms of technical filmmaking. Sure. As far as everything else, no thank you. Poor representations of uh, women and people of color. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah, and also just on a basic narrative level, I... It's just a dull story. It's one that's been told over and over and over again. So that's what my assessment of it was. Yeah, and I would I would disagree with the, the story part. I like I definitely like the story of that movie, but I picked this movie because I think that um, we may actually both enjoy this movie. I'm kind of interested to see. It's definitely not made for little girls, but. Um. I do think, well, I mean, as opposed to little boys, like it's definitely marketed to young boys, but it is a classic. We're watching The Sandlot. I liked that movie because of the dog and I have a dog who looks exactly like the Sandlot dog, (laughs) Bones. Well, not exactly. The Sandlot dog is more floppy and slobbery than Bones is. Yeah. I mean... Bones has a tighter jaw for sure, but he is a mastiff. And he also has human emotions and can understand English, which is... Bones can? Yes. Um, I don't think he can do that, but he can come close. He, he does. He, I mean, he pretends that he can't understand when he doesn't want to do something, but he, yeah, he understands. <laughs> Most dogs understand which <laughs> sort of like what you want. So when, when was the last time you saw this movie? Oh, I was like 10 or something. 10? Yeah, I was thinking like, I think it's been quite a while since I've watched The Sandlot. Yeah. Like I'm 31 now, and I think the last time that I watched it was probably before I graduated high school. Yeah. I cannot remember the last time I watched this movie. And uh, I remember as a kid... I, I was really into baseball when I was a kid. And sports in general. That's like, so weird to me. Because you hate being outside. I, yeah, and I know. you hate... Well, uh, you can ask my parents. It kind of turned on a dime my senior year of high school. <laughs> no. where I'm just like, fuck this. I'm not doing this anymore. I was a big jerk about it. Uh, but, yeah, I was I was big into team sports when I was a kid. Um, so weird. Oh, man, baseball. Uh, there's something about just the sport of baseball that really is like nostalgic in and of itself to me. Do you have anything like that um, with baseball? Like for me going to just going to a baseball game is like a completely different experience than any other kind of sporting event. Yeah. Like it's almost like a, it's not, it's not even so much about the game. Like, people go to watch the game, sure. Yeah, are you going to let me answer that question you asked, or are you just going <laughs> to keep talking? I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm getting caught up in baseball. Go ahead. Um, baseball, because I grew up in such a rural area, um, like, baseball happened, but, like, I wasn't really involved with it. My parents didn't really like sports, um, okay. which is kind of an odd thing for like Louisiana people, but yeah, you know, I never thought about that. I ha- I haven't really heard of uh, your parents talking sports like ever. Yeah, they don't really like sports. Um, they like God, sure. so you know, <laughs> there's not much room in their lives for sports. Oh, I see. Um, but I do remember Angels in the Outfield, and I remember this movie, and I used to go out and like find the nearest neighbor kid and we would like throw the ball yeah and i remember that and but one of the like 
as far as I didn't really get into baseball until college. Um, sure. Because I was, you know, I went to UT, and you had to be into sports at UT. Yeah. Because like we had a really good football team at the time, and like our baseball team's pretty good too. Sure. It was. I'm not speaking to the state of things right now. <laughs> um. So I remember having like a really shitty day at school at college, and just driving out. Um, like outside of Austin city limits and getting into like the surrounding counties and just driving around the counties surrounding Travis County. Sure. And, uh, it was like rural and I felt more comfortable out there and I had to get away from people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw baseball lights, diamonds, Oh, yeah. uh, and I drove up, and it was just in the middle of nowhere. It was sure. like in a fucking live Oak, yeah, like scrub patch of a town. And I just, like, pull up, and... Um, what time of day was this when the... I mean, the lights were on, so a, a little bit mm-hmm. later, I yeah, guess? Yeah, it was in the evening, and it was in the summer um, in Austin, so it was hot. Um, early, maybe late Triple spring. Triple digits, probably, yeah. Yeah, late spring. And, um, you know, I, I pull up. I just... I had my Ford Ranger at the time and just, like, pulled up. No, it wasn't. It was my Nissan. And I pulled up in this... this uh, parking lot for this baseball diamond and it was just like magic like the sun was setting the sky was kind of purple and pink and um you know there were the bugs around the lights and it was just this local team these two local teams just playing each other and I just sat down and like drank a beer and watched this this amazing local game on the outskirts of town that's so cool because like I've as you're telling that story, it's getting me nostalgic. I'm not a very patriotic person, you know that. Like I'm not mm-hmm. no, me neither. like super gung ho, but there's something about baseball that's like super American and yeah. makes me feel connected yeah. to like the I mean, national it's, it's America's pastime. Yeah, of course. And it's it's almost like this shared experience where like everything there is so American. Like you have Cracker Jacks and uh the concession stand. It's very capitalist uh a sporting event and the, there's lots of stuff around for you yeah. to buy and and excluded black people for a long time <laughs> yeah you know america uh, exactly um still no women they've got to play softball can't play baseball but yeah. um so when i was a kid and i played baseball I, I used to love going to the concession stand after we played and making a suicide out yeah. of the drink stand did yeah. you ever have one of those yeah, yeah, we did that. It was so. For those of you who don't know, it's mixing all of the uh, soda flavors together in one cup and drinking that. It's called a suicide. Uh, I did it like once and I didn't like it. Yeah, I didn't like it either because you get the like it's all fine except that you get the diet coke in there too. Yeah, and the orange stuff. And the orange, and it kind of ruins it. Yeah. If you ever had diet coke mixed with orange soda, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> like. I don't recommend it. But there was something fun about it. Because, like, yeah. maybe you'd get the right the, a different ratio this time. Exactly, and it would just yeah. be amazing. That is so American of us. Just, like, let's do this thing that's stupid most of the time and it hurts us. And, well, I remember, except for sometimes. Because there was, like, there was other kids at the baseball field that we would, like, tease. Because they weren't, they would, we'd all go up and it was kind of our thing. That we'd all get a suicide and see who's tasted the best. But there were some people who broke the rules and would just, like, not include the Diet Coke or the orange oh, soda. Fuck that. And you can't do that. That's not a suicide. You have to try and mix it correctly. That's a suicide attempt. 
<laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> you love me oh, so much. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the so, Sandlot. So the Sandlot is a baseball movie, and just on its own, yeah, that feeling of baseball that baseball gives me comes up. Yeah, I don't even really remember a whole lot about the movie itself. Just that I loved baseball. I loved that it was summertime and kids getting to do their own thing. Yeah. Um, That's a different thing. Like, um, we had a lot more freedom as kids than, like, my friends' kids do. Yeah, I noticed that. Like, this movie is the kind of movie that's, like, your parents kick you out of the house, they lock the door, and they're like, there's a garden hose out there if you get thirsty. (laughs) Goodbye. Like, occasionally my parents would just do that. They would just lock me out of the house and be like, go play in the woods. Get away from us. Oh, you know, this is funny. This is So this is a really embarrassing story, but I'm going to tell it anyway because yeah. it's pretty funny. Oh, boy. So when I was a kid, uh, in the summertime, we got babysat by oh, this other family. this story. And I hate this story. I got, so they used to, they used to be like, uh, they had a Super Nintendo, so we'd play that. Yeah. But they'd um, restrict the amount of time that we could play it, and they'd kick us out of the house to go play outside for a while every day. Good, and that's healthy. Exactly, yeah. It's a healthy thing to do. At the time, I was not so uh, so into it. I'm sure I'm you not were. an outside kid. But yeah. we locked the door and we're playing outside. But then I realized, like, five minutes after getting kicked out of the house, like, I really have to poop. And <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe you're telling people this story. <laughs> so I, oh, I knock on, I pound on the door frantically. <laughs> and the babysitter comes out and she's like, no, you have to stay out here. I'm like, no, you don't understand. She's like, no, you don't understand. You have to stay outside and play now. This is your play outside time. And the door was locked, so I couldn't get in to use the restroom. So I just went around the side of the house and pulled my pants down and pooped behind the air conditioning unit. <laughs> and never told anybody. <laughs> Until I'm sure that, now. I'm sure that one day they went out there and they found human shit. <laughs> <laughs> by their air conditioning unit. Maybe it freaked them out, now that I'm thinking about it. Like, if we went outside and found human <laughs> shit in our backyard... This conversation just devolves. Wouldn't we be a little nervous? Yes. I'd rather not think about it. I don't know what this has to do with the sandlot, other than, It's like, about being trapped outside. It's a different <laughs> It's a different time. This is the kind of time yeah. when people would shit in the yard because they were locked out of the house. <laughs> and now people are like... Calling for their fucking 22-year-old kids at my job being like, did he get his transcripts? And I'm like, lady, (laughs) come on. 22 years old. He's 22 years old. We used to get kicked into the woods and they'd be like, if you see a man, run. Yeah. Oh, man. uh, Am I getting to be one of those old people that's just like, don't call for your kids' transcripts. (laughs) Is that a thing? Yes, in academia. Everybody's pissed at parents who do that. If you're a parent listening to this, do not call on your child's behalf for college. Make them do it every step of the way. We have so much more respect for those students. Yeah, they're they're grown-ups. They can, they can handle it. Mm-hmm. It's not hard. Anyway, anyway, the Sandlot is all about, like, what I liked about it was just, like, that feeling of independence and, like... Yeah, libertarianism. No, not that at all. <laughs> Not even close. Libertarianism, not even once. No. Yeah. No. Um, anyway, uh, what were we talking about? Oh, we were Liberty. Talking, Liberty, and, yes. And uh, fiat currency. <laughs> no, not fiat currency. Oh, that's a different podcast. Sorry. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Um, 
But, like, I think the point that Jordan and I are trying to get to is that um, when we were kids, like, it was a lot more of be outside, get out of the house. Um, And this movie captures that feeling. Yeah, it really does. There's some kids in there that don't like being outside. You know? That's true. Yeah, there are kids. And you know what? There's a. I remember specifically, now that you say that, there's a character in this movie. I, I don't wear glasses, but there's a character who wears glasses uh-huh. named Squints. Who's yeah. like, if I remember right, he's kind of like a whiner and mm-hmm. uh, like not very good at baseball. But he's a smarmy kid and, you know, he gets by on his uh, gumption or whatever. Um, that was probably me. Oh, my God. He's not the that main could, character. That could also describe you in the Marine Corps, I think. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> not super great at... Not real good at it, but, you know... He's a smart People guy. like me, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's fair. That's how I get by. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there were, there were lots of different kinds of characters in this movie. There are. But they're all boys. Yeah, so not that many different kinds. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I picked this movie because uh, Karen Allen... Is in it. Marion Ravenwood from Raiders of the Lost Ark oh, made right. that little connection there. Oh, um, she's right. the main character's mom, and she—I think I remember she's like married to Dennis Leary, who I think is like a stepdad or something. You know this shit better than I do. All I remember is the dog. Yeah, I'm—I'm I'm thinking that we're going to be talking about uh, '90s movies and and how they handled divorce because there was a lot of that going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm ex- that's a, that's an expectation of mine. I think that we both have nuclear families, which is pretty unusual. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, I'm thinking that when we watch this movie, I think I might end up being disappointed by it. Oh, me too. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be like, oh, that's assault. Because the one part that I do remember that made me uncomfortable when I was a little girl was when that lifeguard came to like save that kid and he forced her to kiss him. Oh, you know what? That's the kid I just said, I think. Squints. I don't yeah. identify with that part, but No, good. <laughs> but uh yeah, that's the I I can't wait to see it again from an older lens and see what I think. Sure. At the time I was like, "Oh yeah," cuz you know, I'm like, you know, 14 or something, like a stupid kid who's just horny all the time. Um Yeah. Yeah, now probably not a good idea. I feel so bad for the 14-year-old boys now, right now in this culture. Yeah. They're just like, you have a computer in your pocket. It's got all kinds of naked people on it, depending on what you're into. <laughs> yeah, it's a different time when you're, like, not hunting for, uh, hunting for porn in, like, the fuzzy channels at the... <laughs> oh, yeah, in Skinamax. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, or, look at, or somebody would, like, throw out piles of Playboys in the woods, and we would just, like, look at them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't. I don't think anybody nowadays would even know what that is. Like but, um, kids nowadays. A Playboy. Kids nowadays. They know what a Playboy is. Well, I'm sure they would, but they probably know it as a website. Yeah, maybe you're right. I mean, is like a centerfold even a thing anymore? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you don't know. It's hard to say. Print business is dead, but. Uh, if there's if there's nudity involved, then it's probably still alive. So you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of all the TV shows that I'm just like, like on HBO, and I'm like, why am I looking at this robot lady's boobs again? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how does this it happens en- a lot. How does this enhance the story, HBO? Um. So what do you do? You think you're gonna enjoy this movie, or or what do you think? I think I'm gonna be, um, 
Uh, I think I'm I'm gonna like the dog. That's you're gonna what like I think. you're gonna like the dog. Okay. Uh, <laughs> That's my endorsement. Oh man, yeah. I I just I feel like that I've built this movie up too much in my own head, Ooh. and that the nostalgia factor is all there is. And I'm gonna watch it, and I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be like, oh, that was an average movie. I think. Yeah. Like it wasn't terrible. Wasn't really good. And that's going to be it. I think I'm going to give it a D. We'll see. You're guessing for a D. Wow. See, I'm thinking like maybe C plus. B minus, maybe. You're a generous grader. Well, I mean, we haven't even watched it yet. This it's is just, this is just what I'm thinking. It's pure speculation. In my mind, I remember it as an A plus. So we're going to see how, uh, how different it is. You know, when I used to grade papers, um, when I was teaching college level English, uh, I would pick up a student's paper and I'd be like, oh, this is Jordan. You know, I don't, I had, I had students named Jordan, but I'm just using Jordan's name as a placeholder. Oh, this is Jordan. The last paper he wrote was D quality. I hope he stepped up his game. And then I would read it and I would see that like this kid had gone through like all the feedback I had given him and like, adjusted everything and it was like an amazing revision and i could give it an a wow it was like the best feeling in the whole world whenever they improve their writing like that well yeah so maybe if we set our standards low then yeah. we can be pleasantly surprised yeah just like i was when i graded papers I'd so, be yeah, like, Ugh. i'm gonna assume that i'm gonna be disappointed in this movie that's the way to do and it and hopefully it proves me wrong see it's well, like let's find out all right i'm ready we'll be right back <laughs> So we just finished watching The Sandlot. Mm -hmm. Rachel, give us that blurb that you'd put on the back of a DVD box. Um, lower middle class gaggle of boys uh, injects nostalgia directly into your veins, <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I think so. I would describe it as, uh, man, this one's a tough one because it's, it's not a, it wasn't a traditional structure like we, uh, kind of right. expected. But, you know, it is, it's like young man's nostalgia fest. Like yeah. there's some vignettes of his childhood and. Yeah, and that's, that is an interesting thing to think about with the structure of this movie is that. The first half is like small life events and yeah. then towards the middle it becomes um, a larger arc about getting the Babe Ruth ball back. Yeah. And you had said earlier that you really like the the first half where yeah. it's kind of just like little vignettes of um, their times playing at Soundlot and other places. Yeah. And I like that a lot. And I could watch a whole movie of that easily. Yeah. But the second half has my favorite actor in the whole thing. <laughs> and who's which, that? Which is the Mastiff. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, the adorable Mastiff. We have a Mastiff. And that Mastiff looks kind of like our Mastiff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a little more floppy than, than our bones. But... Um, and, and a little more drooly as yeah. well. Yeah. But... You know, that's the only reason I can't decide besides which side I like more. You know, that's funny because we were talking about... Um, that this movie has a big dog in it, 
Yeah. And there were a few movies with big dogs in them around this time. Yeah. Uh, like Beethoven. Beethoven. This director, because we were like, who, who is this guy? David, <laughs> David Mickey Evans. Like, who's ever right. heard this guy's name? Well, right. turns out he had, like, a, a decent career. I mean, it was fine. It wasn't anything. He's not Ingmar Bergman or anything. No, but... no. But, I mean, like, you know, for somebody who, you know, wants to be a writer in Hollywood or whatever, a writer-director. Yeah, I mean... He directed First Kid. Awesome Sinbad movie that we'll watch later. Yes, no. amazing. Oh. No. Um, it, it taught me about Stranger Danger, for sure. First Kid. Oh. Yeah. It taught me nothing. Um, and you know he wrote and directed uh, The Sandlot 2 that came out recently god more recently recently is like 2011 that's true there's some other stuff what do you say Hocus Pocus was one that he did yeah he was a uncredited writer on Hocus Pocus which is kind of fun yeah so you know I mean he was involved in some movies that actually did make some money sure that were like around that time he probably has like a pretty good-sized, like, ranch-style home. Maybe not directly in Beverly Hills, but, like, <laughs> outside of Beverly Hills. Yeah. Like, he's doing okay. Yeah, whenever somebody wants something done on the cheap, they're just like, hey, David Mickey Evans, come on over here. He's like, I'm retired. I'm retired. I don't write <laughs> movies about big dogs with dumb scores anymore. Yeah, it did have a dumb score. You mentioned that. Um, man, this movie... I don't know if I want to go ahead and just grade it real quickly. Yeah. You know, C plus, uh, or maybe maybe even a B, I would say. But the score really held it back. Like it the did. soundtrack was, I mean, the songs they picked were good, but that score that they play behind it is just like goofy and eccentric. And distracting. Like scores shouldn't be distracting. Yeah. You it, hear that, Chris Nolan? I said scores <laughs> shouldn't be distracting. Well, this one. It, <laughs> It, uh, I felt like it lowered the tone because it's almost yeah. like carnival music the entire time <laughs> or like the goofy stuff that a cartoon would play when like yeah. a fat man is walking down the street like ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. like what is this cartoon music that's, that they've got in this movie? It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. It, I think they were going for like a Christmas story, and there was a whole slew Stand by of me yes, a little bit. yeah. There's a whole slew of like little white boys reliving <laughs> their fucking summers. Yeah, which you know, haven't we had enough of those? Nay, saith the masses. <laughs> so yeah, you mentioned in another movie that uses voiceover narration of like the grown up telling his child story. What do you think about uh, something like that? Um, you as mean... As a device, like... Like the like a Christmas story and... Yeah, yeah, where, like, you know, he's talking about his own childhood and voiceover. Um, it works sometimes and it doesn't work others. Um, yeah. I think that it can be a really, really lazy device if, you know, you're like... And boy, it, like, it builds up artificial tension, like, and boy, howdy, we made a bad mistake. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's almost, uh, I mean, I wonder, though, because this movie seems like it's specifically made to, like, try and make you feel nostalgic. Like, even back in the day when it came out. Sure. Um, And, like, one way of doing that, I guess, is to make the audience project themselves onto the narrator instead of the character that the narrator is describing, which is, like, him as a young kid. Yeah. And so you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I remember that time or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
it's yeah i mean that's why they did it i i, I didn't want to say anything because it'll sound super cynical but no like, no go ahead go ahead like this was the beginning of when producers started figuring out if we can get the parents to sit through it and we can get the kids <laughs> to sit through it together it's double the money. So you got one money sign over here and another money <laughs> sign over here. You put them together, that's two money signs. It's like that James, that story about James Cameron, who, <laughs> whenever he pitched Aliens, he just walked into a fucking boardroom <laughs> where there was a whiteboard on the wall and there was a bunch of suits sitting around looking at him expectantly. And all he did was draw a dollar sign on the board. <laughs> oh, yeah, he went... <laughs> He wrote alien and then just <laughs> added an S with a, with a with, slash oh, to it to make right. it a dollar sign. That's right. And, uh, and they, they were, were sold immediately. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that movie, was it, that movie was like before this one, I think. Aliens? But yeah, during this period of time, it seems like in the 90s, people started realizing like, oh, we can combine our audiences. Yeah. Like we're kind of at that critical mass now where like all the audiences have been combined into one big gray paste movie. Yes. That everyone can see. We, oh, I have so And many everyone thoughts. can enjoy a little bit. Which um, sucks because it makes, like nobody's going to get to enjoy something so thoroughly that it's, it's like life changing for them anymore. I don't. Yeah. I do not buy that the Avengers are life-changing. <laughs> I don't buy it. It's just gray paste. Yeah, I mean, it's neat, but, yeah, it's, it's kind of just made for everybody. And it's, that, that makes it, to me, that makes it, uh, they're almost like, there used to be a time when you could right. ask somebody, like, what kind of movies do you like? And they could actually tell you something about themselves by saying that. Like, yeah. nowadays, it seems like there aren't many options as far as, like, you know, movies that, get released in the theater that, like, on a help, frequent basis. Help you like define your selfhood. Yeah. Not that it's like yeah. a big deal, but I, I don't know. It. it just it's something I miss, I think. Yeah, because like I I would tell people that I love Unforgiven and like if you were to make a list of movies that you thought like defined your personality, what would it be? What would be your top three? Oh man. Uh Terminator Two. Yeah. Starship Troopers. Ugh. <laughs> and Chinatown. Oh, man. What a terrible list. Terrible list of movies there. Uh, it's certainly something. But I will say that I love all three of those movies. Yeah. Like, quite a bit. Anyway, um, back to this movie. Okay. Sandlot. So it could have, I feel like it could have been more with a different score. Oh, yeah. With a different score and maybe taking out the part where that kid forcibly kissed that girl. <laughs> oh, we're just we'll just jump right into that, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, this is my thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um so yeah, I mean it's definitely I th I think that the way they approached it in terms of like narrative and like delivering the tone. Uh-huh. I think they did an okay job because like everybody like, you know, she calls him a pervert. Uh, everybody's talking about how wrong it was. Like, even in the voiceover narration, he's like, um, it, was it was a dirty, rotten, scoundrel thing to do. But then he also says, but it was cool. Yeah, that's the dangerous side. It's yeah. not like these, like, the overtly creepy movies like Spring Breakers. <laughs> like, I know exactly what those are, who those are for, and what they're about. You know, I haven't even seen that movie, but I've had nightmares about James Franco's character in Spring Breakers. Oh my god, he's knocking on the door, he's trying to sell his Cutco knives! <laughs> oh god. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, but what do you think? Like, obviously, it's not okay to, you know, trick somebody into where you can, like, forcibly kiss them. No. Like, to trap a woman. I think that's pretty much, you know, <laughs> we can all agree that's wrong. <laughs> right, world. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, I mean, why even have that part? Like, I get it about him being, like, ballsy and stuff and it, it being, like, an amazing memory or whatever. But it just, like, echoes this violence against women's bodies that I don't love. Yeah. That's, like, she was used as a tool to make him cool. Yeah. And then they got married and had, like, nine kids, which so you obviously wanted it. Yeah. So that's, like, that, was, that made me a little uncomfortable because I was kind of okay with it up to that point at the end when it said that they got married and everything. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, it kind of... Shows it as being a reward. Like, it felt like they had scolded him for it, and then some kids in the movie, like, thought that that was cool. Which, kids are stupid. They think that kind of stuff all the time. Sure. But, like, he talks about it later when he's grown up, and they're, like, all fine with it. I don't, I don't get it. It's because it's written by men. For men. In a time where the world was for men. <laughs> all, always men. Yeah, apparently there weren't uh, very many women in the world at all in this uh, universe. No, there was his um, mommy. Yeah, and that's kind of weird for like a coming of age movie. Because yeah. like normally girls are involved. This one's more like, girls all have cooties. Stay away from us girls. Yeah. With you your, throw like a girl. You throw like a girl. You oh, play yeah. play baseball like a girl. Oh, yeah. And then, like, that was the ultimate insult. Yeah. Whenever the, they played that other, like, team from the rich side of town. He's like, you threw like a girl. And they're like, oh, shit, ham. <laughs> you fucking idiot. Because, like, oh, it's the yeah, ultimate you, insult. Yeah, yeah, You know yeah. what I'm talking about? And, like, that, that rubs me the wrong way, too. Just, like... I mean, if anyone needs evidence that women are perceived as less than in our society, I think that's pretty much the, like, first and easiest place you could go to. <laughs> the playground? To, oh, yeah, and just all over the place. I mean, people, grown men say stuff like, oh, you throw, like, a girl. What and a stuff pussy. like that. Yeah. Don't be a woman. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, yeah. Our society is not fair to, uh, to women. No. No, no, no. And, uh, I'm not saying that this movie like broke any rules or anything it's showing us the world we live in so i really don't have a problem with that being in this movie yeah. i have a problem with the society that it's representing sure i guess that's yeah I, I, can, I can go with that yeah okay so let's talk about some of the background of this movie because i forgot about a lot of stuff in here um one of the biggest things i completely forgot about was uh exactly how the relationship with his stepdad went. Right. Because, like, I kind of had in my mind that the stepdad, like, wanted to get him involved in this stuff more than yeah. he did at the beginning of this movie when we actually watched it. Right. Um, it's kind of, like, standoffish and weird, which I thought was realistic. Because, like, you know, if you were somebody's stepdad, it'd be kind of weird, like, to just be there and... Gonna be, try to become this guy's dad. That's kind of weird. And he's like, he he's got to become. He, you have to like suddenly you're a figure that this little guy's gonna be looking up to. And you're like, oh god damn it! Like, it's a lot of pressure. Just, can't just be a shithead anymore. Yeah, I can imagine wanting to put some distance between myself and that kid. Oh yeah, and like, don't call me dad. Just call me Lyle. Yeah, 
or whatever. I don't know. But either way, um, yeah, so apparently this kid's dad died. Yeah. Like, not too long ago. Yeah. And uh, so it kind of makes this movie sad because he's trying to learn to play catch with his stepdad and his stepdad doesn't really have time and he's terrible at it. Um, So he goes to the sandlot to try and just, like, sneak in on this little kid's pickup game. Yeah. Make some friends. And uh, he's terrible at baseball because his dad died. No one could teach him. No one could teach him how to throw the ball or catch it. Oh, my God. And his new stepdad doesn't have time either. It's heartbreaking. That's a, a, real, a story of real struggle and pain. <laughs> it does not everything has to be, though. Like... I think that I get I can get hung up in this where I'm just like the conflict is not conflicty enough, <laughs> and, but this is fine. Like, yeah, it's fine. I get that he's upset. Yeah, and I think that was kind of the core of the movie was like even more than friendship. Like, I feel like the movie was about like it kind of being who you are and mm-hmm. being willing to change. Yeah, uh, and go outside your comfort zone for others. Yeah. Like, because our main character, what's his name, like Scotty or Devin or something like that? What's his? Uh, I feel like Scotty is right. Yeah, Scott. Scotty sounds right. Scotty Smalls. That's what. That's it right. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's. We talked about this. He's good at some things. He's actually uh, like really smart. He's a straight A student. They mentioned that a couple times. Yeah. Um, which is great, mm-hmm. and I like that they didn't like painted in a negative light like uh a lot of movies like sometimes are like oh what a smart dude what a waste of time blah, did you blah, call blah. him an egghead yeah but it's kind of they also say like i'm so proud of you his mom says i'm so proud of you for being smart and i'm happy for you but you need to go out and make some friends yeah which is kind of neat i liked the it uh like kind of praised him for something he was good at but also said, like showed that you can still grow yeah you don't have to be a one-dimensional person Right, and, like, just because there are other ways to interact with the world whenever you are a nerd. And I think that that's something yeah. that, like, we really need to be thinking about as nerds. Like, not everybody is going to like Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. And probably most people that you meet are not going to like Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's a personal affront to you. <laughs> and so, like, that's why I think that this is... It is kind of refreshing that the mom's like, be socially capable. Yeah. Go get dirty. You know? Yeah. I think she says, like, uh, isn't that cool that uh, that I'm a mom who would say that or whatever? And he's like, yeah, I get it. Whatever, mom. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> mom. Yeah, I did like that. I, I kind of, maybe, I'm, I think we might be looking too deep, deeply into it because I'm not sure that these people thought this much about it. But Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I think they were doing something basic, but they kind of just like created something a little bit deeper than they meant to. Maybe. Yeah. Just on accident. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. All right. So he goes to the Sandlot and he's terrible at baseball. Um, yeah. But what was it that he suddenly becomes good because... Uh, it's actually not because he's good, which I thought was interesting. It's because Benny, the Latino kid, is so amazing. Yeah. Benny can just, like, hit the ball right into his mitt. Yeah. Like, I always got the... This movie has, like, some magical realism to it. Sure. And uh, I feel like Benny is almost a supernatural character. 
where like he's so good at baseball that like he's gonna drag you along kicking and screaming into this culture of baseball because he's just gonna rub off on you. Yeah. Like with the the dorky main character. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say that that's a pretty standard, like, male interaction structure, though. <laughs> yeah, possibly, I guess. I mean, there's a lot about this movie, because it is focused on, like, boyhood and, uh, and like, figuring out what masculinity is. Mm-hmm. Um, there probably isn't much in it for most women. Would you uh, say that that's the case for you? Or what, what do you get out of this movie? What can you relate to? in this movie i can relate to the dog (laughs) (laughs) is that the only answer that you have Uh, yes no no i i mean what about baseball what about like block parties and fairs and uh like groups of friends that you hung out with i mean we didn't we we lived in a really really rural area yeah so like if you got together with your friends it was kind of an event like we'd go play in the pastures and like just be in the woods and sure you know it was mostly like an imagination quest for us because like there's not much to do when you're that far into the country yeah you know so that that would explain a lot i didn't even think about that like with our different childhoods mm-hmm. like for me a movie that brings up nostalgia is something like this where there are lots of other kids around and you're kind of in like a like a gang or whatever, like you know, yeah, yeah, not a not a street gang, but like a child, gang. a gang of kids, like the Apple Dumpling Gang or whatever the fuck. Um, Jordan, relax. It's not nineteen ninety two. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> <laughs> let's see. So, for you, a movie that brings up, I think, those similar feelings would be something like. Uh, like Chronicles of Narnia, like Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah. Like being transported into another world. Like signs. Like signs? <laughs> <laughs> what? There's a lot of like the weird religious stuff around and like yeah. there's only really one person you hang out with and it's probably a relative. Sure. So I'll wave the rule here for a second. Uh, let's talk about this in terms of Lord of the Rings because yes! that seems like that's the kind of escapism that you respond to because of uh like the just the lack of people around yeah like like you said using your imagination to be transported to other realms yeah other places um i did say earlier that i really coveted when i watched this movie as a kid i really coveted like the masculinity in it sure like i really wanted to be a part of that that boys gang and i gotta admit it's it's awesome yeah. Yeah. I bet you'd re-up every year. Well, I feel terrible because, like, I was thinking about this earlier while we were watching the movie. I feel terrible that some people, that a lot of people, don't have this kind of experience as a child. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, if you watch this movie, I don't think anyone can deny that it looks like these kids are having fun. Right. And a lot of people are in situations where they can't experience something like this. Yeah. Uh, where it's kind of just carefree. Yeah. Maybe that's what true wealth is, is just not having a care in the world. Like, not having to worry. Yeah. Because that is, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's something something about that. You know, Pan's Labyrinth also was... <laughs> Are you still thinking about where you're escaping to? Yes. Yeah. That's where, that's the movies that I was just like, oh, yes, that's my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, let's see, what else? They, they play baseball together. Uh-huh. There's a lot of... There's that thing where they go to the pool, uh, like you said. Um, and Benny's wearing jeans. Yeah. Yeah, like, 
Wait, what's strange about that? Wearing jeans in the pool? Oh, Benny was wearing yes. jeans in the pool? Yes. I didn't realize yeah. that. Just like your uncle Jesus <laughs> wearing jeans in the pool. Oh, yeah, I guess so. And I did have a lot of that. And throwing up on carnival rides and stuff. That's uh, my Uncle John Paul. Uncle <laughs> John Paul. Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, so they go to the carnival, or they they uh, play those rich kids who actually have a field. Yeah. Because, like, some kids on bikes show up, and they're all in, like, their nice uniforms, and they're, like, uh, throwing insults around. And eventually they decide to play ball, and this lower-income team just whoops the shit out of them. Because they've been playing nonstop all the time. Baseball is life, that's what they say. Yeah. Quite a few times. Yeah. I don't know. This movie kind of bored me a little bit. Like, I'm just not interested in uh, too much of what happened in it. It's kind of just like... It was an, a nice memory to have, I guess. Sure. But... I don't know. Ultimately, the score just throws that whole movie off. Well, it does. And also, like... It's not super relatable for me, which makes me not, like, the funnest movie partner to be watching this with. No, it's it's not that, because, like, I, I still, I found myself laughing at certain times. I found myself, like, remembering scenes, and I think I was enjoying just the remembering of the scenes more sure. than, that's funny, it's almost like this movie where I'm, like, narrating my own feelings at the time of watching so I'm almost having nostalgia for my nostalgia at this point that sounds like it should there should be some sort of like filthy sounding German word that describes that <laughs> nostalgia yeah. for my nostalgia oh it's my like, god it's like Dunstan that does sound like it should have a German word associated with it Oof. listeners let us know <laughs> <laughs> yeah come up with your best uh, best word for nostalgia for nostalgia in, in German, German. And you'll win a prize. We'll come up with it later. Yeah, some sort of really cheap prize. Yeah, I mean, uh, they win the game against those kids and they chew tobacco, which you mentioned was yeah. uh, something that you wouldn't see in a kid's movie nowadays. Yeah, I mean, they, I feel like kids' movies nowadays are like ground into this very safe gray paste that they feed to kids. <laughs> that's just like, oh, be sad, but don't be too sad. Oh, any uh, extreme of emotion is very dangerous. Are you talking about like Disney movies? In yeah. General? Yeah. Like it's kind of planned Don't. on a, a route. You feel like your emotions are on rails. Yes, exactly. In those movies. And it's like, no, children, you, you're, you should be the one chastising others for chewing tobacco. <laughs> and it's like, when you're a kid, you do stupid shit all the time. Just yeah. like, we used to smoke grapevines. <laughs> what? Like, what was the purpose of that? Was there, like, a rumor that, like, you get high, like, smoking that, or what? No, it was just, like, having a cigarette, and we just liked it, because we saw adults having cigarettes. Man, that's wild. I've never heard of that before. I guess yeah. it's different all over. Yeah, I guess so. But, you know, I felt like this movie, I, I did like that they included that stuff and showed kids making mistakes. Yes, exactly. And, like, I think that they portrayed them as mistakes, too. Yeah. In a lot of ways. I mean, they throw up all over themselves on the carnival yeah. ride and, and on everybody else. Yeah. Or uh, I guess somebody, maybe David Mickey, whatever his name, uh, was just like dumping buckets of orange goop on the on the carnival ride. 
Oh, yeah. That was so gross. It was. It was uh, extremely liquid. Like, no way were those kids throwing up that much. They had, like, three beers beforehand. (laughs) They didn't show that part. No. They had to pregame for the carnival. Yeah, they didn't show the gang initiation either that they all uh, went through to get to this this point. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was neat that they got to show them making mistakes. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. God, I'm just, like, not feeling this movie. It's, it doesn't interest me quite as much. I'm going to say it interested me in... Ooh, maybe not. I was going to say it interested me interested me more than a lot of things I've seen recently. Really? Yeah, like, as far as big summer dumb movies, you know, like... Sure, yeah. De- Deadpool? <laughs> I, I didn't... Uh, you know... Whatever, I'm I'm ready for the death threat. Send him on, I guess. Yeah. I just thought I just think that stuff like Deadpool isn't very cohesive or coherent, and at least this had a structure that I was just like, okay, I can accept this. Yeah, I mean, it was better than I. I mean, we've talked about movies don't have to be great. Like this movie's not bad, and that I think that goes a long way. Um, Yeah. But you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark wasn't bad. Right. Um. I don't know. I mean, this movie kind of like is towing the line of the movies that will be remembered, which is kind of interesting considering that like people like the motto of this movie is like heroes get remembered, but Mm -hmm. legends never die. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like this movie is more on the hero end of the spectrum than the legend. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, how many people are going to remember the legend of Bagger Vance either? (laughs) (laughs) The only reason you even brought that up is because of the word legend. Yeah. (laughs) Um, <laughs> that is true. There's no big dogs in that movie. There's no James Earl Jones. Speaking of James Earl Jones. Isn't Brad Pitt in The Legend of Bagger Uh No, that's Matt Damon. Well, he's a big hitter. No, I mean a big dog. Oh, I thought you meant like the big dogs of Hollywood. No, I mean <laughs> a bi- literally a big dog, a oh. big mastiff dog. <laughs> A big puppy. <laughs> oh. I thought you meant, like, producers and shit and actors. I was going to say, like, you, you think that I got this Hollywood speak going on, like, he's the big dog. Yeah. Look out. Here comes Brad Pitt. Oh, wait, no, that's Matt Damon. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, with your Armani suit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean. Uh... The big dog is the best part. <laughs> the big dog is the best part. And I think it was funny that they used a, uh, what was that, like a stuffed animal or something? A puppet? To, yeah, stuffed puppets to portray the dog in the early scenes. Because there's no way they would be able to get that Mastiff to do any of that. <laughs> no, no, all those shots were like the high energy shots. Yeah. And like the shots of a dog being pissed off. And it's really hard to get a Mastiff pissed off. I mean, they did get that Mastiff to chase that kid around. For yeah. a while. Yeah. Like, I don't know how they did that. I think there were multiple Mastiffs involved. There had to have been. Yeah, There's because... There's no way. No, yeah. And you notice that a lot of those cuts were pretty short. Yeah. They must have stuffed bacon in that kid's pocket or something and just yeah. been like, here, go get him. Go get him. It's probably the happiest Mastiff ever. Oh, that dog looked super playful. Like, trying to portray it as vicious. But it kind of, so, like, that puppet kind of reminded me of Jaws in a lot of ways. Really? How so? Because, like, 
they've got this big monster, and I, I feel like this was intentional too. Like they had this big monster that no one's seen, but they've all heard rumors of, like in this guy's backyard, and uh, like they kind of um, show just pieces of it. Like yeah. when they're trying to get the ball out, like the big paw like slams down. Oh, yeah. You kind of see just like the top of his enormous head, and he's like way bigger than any known dog that you've ever yes. seen. He's like as big as a house. Uh, and then, like, as they get closer to the dog, he's just a fucking normal mastiff. Yeah, but they had to find out by dropping a fence on him. Yeah. That's irresponsible of those kids. <laughs> well, That's a little cruel. I mean, they freed they freed the dog. Yeah. And uh, kind of learned a lesson about, you know, don't judge him just because he's snarling and chasing you. <laughs> <laughs> Never judge a dog by his snarl. Yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently the dog was just nice and cute or whatever, or he like, the James Earl Jones even like kind of alludes to the fact that possibly, um, Hercules is the dog's name. Yeah. Possibly Hercules like now has respect for him because he's the only kid who ever like beat him and like actually got the ball back. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So maybe that explains why the dog gets more tame later on. I mean, there's that magical thinking but, like, and I like to believe that this is, you know, like, a little kid telling this story, being like, and then this dog and I have this magical connection. Yeah. Because I beat him. But really, it's just this dog saw the owner be, like, chill with this kid, and the kid came down and, like, petted him and stuff, and he's like, I only wanted to play in the first place. <laughs> like, why haven't you been playing with me this whole time? I'm not going to You're the one you. who needs to explain yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm just trying to lick your face. We were just going to hang out. <laughs> uh, and you came up in here acting a fool. Yeah. <sighs> and so, speaking of magical... Um, we've got James Earl Jones, who's a, a magic black man. I think uh, you should explain movie. that term. Yeah, so there's movies like, it, it's, you know, maybe that's why you mentioned The Legend of Bagger Vance, because that is literally a magic black man. Yeah. But there's a, a trope in media where um, black characters, who are usually the only people of color in the movie. Yeah, like, not the case in this one. Show up and either through like some kind of magic or like some down home backcountry wisdom, right. like teaches a white person uh, a lesson a lesson about life that mm-hmm. they can hold on to forever, and it, it's gotten to the point where it's a stereotype. The, I mean, I don't know if it's. Would you say it's offensive? Yes, it's yeah. extremely offensive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Hey, like, I'm white. What do I know? But uh, it's this is how I learn these things. Um, so yeah, it's offensive. I mean, for the, just the reason of kind of like making black people out to be these like fountains of wisdom that you should go in a cost to like learn about yourself. Well, yeah. And also like, let's use black spirituality and black bodies as, uh, as labor to to like reach my own spiritual end. Yeah. It's really unnerving. (laughs) Hmm. Well, I mean, James Earl Jones, he shows up and he wants to save the day mm-hmm. with the Babe Ruth ball. Mm-hmm. Um, he's lonely. He's a lonely blind man who got beamed in the head with a, like, 90-mile-an-hour fastball, <laughs> and that's why he's blind. He tells yeah. that story. Yeah, he does. He doesn't tell the part about where his retinas were detached. No. Like, to scare the shit out of those kids. Yeah. Hey, little boy, you want to see something's cool? He just pops his eyeballs out. <laughs> yeah. 
Don't play baseball, little boy. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. Wear a helmet. Little uh, boy. Yeah. But I, I did think um, when I was a kid, that character scared me at first. And I think yeah. it's supposed to in the movie. Yeah. And James Earl Jones is supposed to be kind of intimidating. Um, and mostly I think what it was is that he was standing behind that screened-in porch. Because you can't really see through there very well. Yeah. You can't, like, uh, recognize people's features or, like, make people out. It's all just kind of silhouette. And so that's kind of just scary, just the unknown. And also, I'd like to point out that their vision of him was originally a, a scary white guy. Oh, yeah. In the, like, uh, when, what's his name? Squints is telling the story. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the mean old man to them was white. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't think about that. Like, it does kind of, um, like, subvert their own expectations right. within their nostalgic memory. Right. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Well, so, I mean, I think that's about all I've got for this movie. Would you say that um, that this movie's a disaster or uh, worth seeing? I mean, I'm in the middle on this one. Like, see it if you want, I guess. Is there a middle? Middle ground? Yeah, and I stand on it. You know, see it if you want to see it and you want to feel like... You want to, like, just remember the way that summer feels. Yeah. That's, like, if you want to do that, that's fine. But if you want to, like... You know, watch a movie that um, is includes like people of color and women, and then you know, you can dedicate your time to that. Probably better well spent. Yeah, and I feel like even within the realm of like uh, little or boyhood nostalgia movies, like this movie's at the bottom of the barrel. Like sure. there are there are other ones that are way better. So, like I said, when the movie says heroes get remembered and legends never die. This movie is a hero, and a movie like Stand By Me is a legend that's never going to die. Like, we will eventually forget about the Sandlot, which is a shame, you know. It's something that I felt like was important to me as a kid, but uh, now it's not. Yeah, I mean, there were lots of things that were important to me as a kid. Like, I was really concerned about um, getting the right... Like, trying to get a white crayon to write on black <laughs> construction paper. And now I don't care about that at all. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, apples to apples right there. <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'd say, uh, I don't even, I don't know if I would say it was worth seeing. Um, I don't fine. think, to people who haven't already seen it, I don't think it's going to make a whole lot of sense. Or, like, yeah. bring up... Cause like, the whole purpose of this movie is to, like, feel good about your childhood. Yeah. And if you didn't have a childhood like this, regardless of the reason why, I don't think this movie's going to be as fun. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think if you lived in that time period and you liked your childhood, feel free to watch it. You'll have some good feelings. But otherwise, you know, don't waste your time. Unless yeah. you really like movies about Mastiffs. But uh, there are more. There are better ways to watch movies about mastiffs. Y'all. <laughs> there are better big dog movies. Yeah. And you know what? Darren Mickey Evans even directed two of them. Yeah, Beethoven's, Beethoven's three third and four. And fourth. Yeah. Oh man. So I mean, this guy knew what it was like to work with big dogs. So they they hired him. I'm surprised he wasn't on Turner and Hooch. <laughs> yeah, you know that, that would be. Well, wasn't that movie earlier than this? I think. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Maybe he cut his teeth on Turner and Hooch, and that's how he got this gig. He's just an intern? <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, I've worked with dogs before. Uh, 
they're like, well, you can be the director of this movie. He's like, oh, sweet. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> Career is finally paying off. Oh, my God. I'm going to be able to buy a new car. <laughs> <laughs> I think they even call that. That's like in a book about, you know, an acting career or a, a career in Hollywood. It's just like you can take several different approaches. And one of the approaches to go with, like, the big animal subgenre of film. You can specialize in that. I believe it. And really develop a uh, a bit of a career. A portfolio. Yeah, there you go. I yeah. wonder how LCG is affecting that now. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, what's the most recent movie you can think of that had... Uh, Black Panther. That had big animals? Oh, well, yeah, but that's, like... Rhinos are not exactly trainable. Like we're talking about. Yeah, there were CG panthers. Can panthers be trained? They're wild animals. Yeah, but there's tons and tons of wild animals in movies from the seventies, including panthers and rhinos. Yeah, but a lot of insurance claims got filed too. (laughs) No, because they didn't have insurance claims. Oh yeah, I forgot. Uh, Well, people just got their arms ripped off by panthers. On occasion, yes, but yeah. look at the quality of the movie. Like Art is suffering. I don't know about you, but I don't feel like Chadwick Boseman is the type of person who's going to sign on to a movie where he has to like interact with real panthers he's like, for, uh, for like two hours. He's like, uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would turn down that job. Would you? I would not. Like, hang around live panthers with no, uh, no safety net. They have safety nets. They have trainers there and stuff. I guess, but it still sounds dangerous. I mean, it's like more dangerous than sitting at a computer screen, true, but at what cost? <sighs> so yeah, you know, <laughs> Back to see this movie or don't. <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's the conclusion. Yeah, we're done. Um, yeah, yeah uh, we've got an email address at recipeforddisastershow uh, at gmail.com you want to send us some notes um if you want to give us a uh, a one-star review for this <laughs> today's episode feel free to put that on apple podcasts uh, but we'd rather have a five-star a five-star review we'll read that one out loud on the air next time we also have a facebook page uh check that out like us on facebook get all the updates you know you want it got anything to say before we sign off rachel no i'm not good at capitalist plugs <laughs> fair enough Have a good one, you guys. Bye, guys.